0: Everybody else has discussed it. We may as well. Talk so about my Gibson amps. Yeah, let's talk about your Gibson amps. So, I'm glad you're in a good mood because I don't. Th- I think I'm about to get dark. <laughs> yes, <yeah>, he, <laughs> I'm going to think about fluffy bunnies and puppies, and David's yeah, going no to. David's word. David's going to bring. David's going to bring the hobbits and the and the yeah, trolls.
1: it um, be bad. It's be bad. <laughs> It'll be a regular. I have a, um, theories. I have a lot of theories on why this went down. <laughs> Um, so
0: yeah, why don't we talk about our theories of why, as to why it went down? Why did it happen?
1: The pragmatist in me, the one that thinks that we should be looking at the positive view of this says that, um, Randall Smith is 75 years old. Yeah. Uh, he's not going to be with us forever. I think, I think if anything, 2020 has taught us to respect that, you know, death can come at any moment. And I think he was... So I think he had a contingency plan. And I think that was a big part of the last 10 years of Mesa Boogie was sort of passing the torch to these other designers that he had brought in. And at least at least a few of them, like Doug West, um, have the business sense and understand the philosophy to, to continue the company. And I sort of felt like this was a... a um, my first reaction to it was like, "Why the hell would Randall Smith sell the company?" Like this doesn't yeah. make sense. Yeah. So first off, first thing to dispel here, I guess, is that Mesa Boogie probably didn't totally get sold to Gibson, but there is some advantage for them to be a quote unquote Gibson brand. Right. With,
0: right. I think, I think that what we've got
1: deal yet. I mean, that's... yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I'm we gonna. I'm gonna give uh, my two cents, and I'm probably almost completely wrong but after listening to um a person that would be in the know uh the the fact is that i think what's going to happen is going to be more like not exactly because everything is different but more like what Gretsch did with fender Gretsch is still Gretsch. gretch still makes their own business decisions whether we like them or not and fender is their distributor and i think yeah they-
1: basically the, the different yeah but that, but so here's the the distinct difference there is they own this, they own a distribution contract with Gretsch. So like the way that this has been, been touted is like they own that part of them now. And I don't think that's necessarily what, what the specifics of this are. No, it it, maybe it's a bit more complex than that.
0: Right. I think what Gibson wants to finally do, and this is, I think this is more for Gibson than for, for um, not that, that Randall Smith is not getting anything out of it. He's not going to enter into this without some kind of business savvy, but, um, one, I don't know what his, what his um, family life is like. Maybe he doesn't have kids that he's leaving the business to or doesn't trust them to take the business into the future, uh, it, you know, a la Kiesel or whatever. But probably more um, along the lines that, um, at least um, this is my impression, at least with, with some of the things that Gibson has said, Gibson's looking to brand some Gibson amps. And yeah. they have flopped. Terribly in the past. Multiple times, they, they have just yeah, they have just gone to crap. And if you think about it, a, a Gibson. If you're a part of a Gibson network of people, um, and I'm kind of in it, um, not not as deep as as most, um, it's a lifestyle.
1: I mean, these people live, breathe, and eat. Les Pauls yeah, and cheese. Harley cars. Davidson of guitars. Right. It's you know people. It, I see people who don't play guitar wearing Gibson clothing. Like, right. it happens. Right. And the
0: thing about Fender, Fender, those are the only two companies. You could walk up to a stranger on the street and say, what guitar brand have you heard of? And they're likely to say Fender or Gibson and not
1: anything else. Be the two that they say. I mean, yeah. that is going to be the two that they say. Right. Um, and
0: because of that, um, one of the things that Fender has above Gibson is the amp
1: line. Let's face it. Yeah. They've Fender, always had quality. I mean, yeah. it started out as an amp company, yeah. which a lot of people forget, you know. Right,
0: right, and they were making um, uh, PA type gear, um, which most of your your early amps were nothing better than PA's. It was it, it was accidental. Guitar amps are rather accidental. Uh, they were supposed to truly uh, show us what our signal was supposed to sound
1: like, and they didn't. <laughs> they, and and it, then, and it was just limitations of the technology at the time, basically. It, it was really because guys like Leo Fender were building this stuff out of the tube manual. I mean, they just had like, here's the RCA tube manual. I can use these tubes to build this circuit. And that's how we got Fender Champs. I mean, it was like that basic.
0: Yeah, I mean, wasn't he, was he a radioman? He was a radioman in the radio Navy or something like that.
1: Engineer. Yeah, he yeah. was a radio repair engineer by profession as well. Yep. Um, I forgot I forgot about his military service but
0: yeah he was in the uh, service I do believe and so if he if we take those things and like I said then then we have Randall Smith let's talk about the beginnings of, of Randall Smith and people don't forget people he's 75 76 years old somewhere in there because at 23 I want to say it was 23 in 1969 I haven't done the math so I don't remember what year or what what age he is um that means that um, he was, Done with college, just done with college. His parents were asking him to get out of the Bay Area, and he went deeper into it, and he became part of the uh, hippie crowd with musicians. Um, And we've talked about this before on the show, but it's it's important to realize that that was 1969.
1: Yeah, he was a really popular repair technician. And his repair technician skills so that so this is the difference between the offender which is really just 20 years right yeah um the the difference in repair skill was that the offender got his from the military came home and started repairing radios in people's houses and started building you know this equipment whereas um, randall smith was building radar equipment at 12 years old with a neighbor um for for the military and learning about military spec and learning about how all this stuff worked learning about tubes and I mean, even by 1969, tubes were starting to be kind of old hat. Um, and if you'd gone to tech school, there's a good chance tubes would not have been your focus. You would have learned them, but tubes would may not have been your focus. Right. Uh, and so then he he goes, you know, into this scene because he liked tubes. He liked the, he liked the technology and components behind it, and uh, started working in a at a small music store. Of course, built the first boogie. You can hear all about that story over at Sweetwater. They did an interview with him recently, and he talks about Carlos Santana and the you know the Holy Boogies thing. Um, but like you're saying, like it's it, there are parallels there between him right. and Leo, right? So
0: yeah, very much so. And um, let's not forget it was a it was a modded uh, Princeton. Princeton, he did the mod on that Country Joe and the Fish. Took to Woodstock, so that's what I'm trying to put into perspective. Now I'm 57 years old, and Woodstock happened when I was five. He was 23. So there you go. Um, you know, do your math. I so thought like I, said, I thought
1: the first Boogie was built in 1970. They just had their
0: 50th anniversary. Well, no, no, no. It was a modded Princeton. I didn't say it was a Boogie. It was
1: a modded yeah, but didn't Princeton. They, I wonder if he considers that the first Mark One, because I thought I thought that was his.
0: I do maybe know there's
1: there slight differences I don't know,
0: yeah, I do know that that country he built it for Country Joe and the fish to take to Woodstock yeah, yeah. now now he he would do this supposedly um uh the reason that he would mod these things is because it made them sound better and that's when Leo or I mean uh, uh, Carlos said this thing really boogies and that's how he right. got the name and of course, Mesa comes from the oh, fact yeah. that he was in the played-
1: Mesa. He played the country show in the fish camp is basically what it was. That's right. It was sitting there and he, and they took it out front, but, um, I mean, that's basically the history. And of course, later on, he pioneers, um, uh, high gain amplification, which is probably the thing Mason Boogie is best known for. Right. Um, and really where it took off. Yeah. And despite making like really incredible pieces of gear, but you have to understand that landscape back then, there was no milkman. There was no freedman. If you wanted a modded Marshall sound, you, you got a modded Marshall. I mean that was um there was no boutique market. They were the boutique market the boutique market. When yep. people saw Mesa Boogie the first time, like, what the hell is that? You know? And then later on, of course, other brands followed and small small builders and that kind of thing. Um there was always a custom scene, I'm sure, but I think they were the first company to really be on the map as a custom company that like really took off. And in the Mark II C Plus, when that when that debuted, everybody had the Mark II C Plus. Anybody who was anybody in Hollywood at that time doing recording gigs, um, they were they were as commonplace as the Marshall Plexi in the nineteen seventy. Everyone had,
0: and it was Excellent.
1: just because if you were if you were on that A list and you got called up for a session, the amp was super versatile. You could do everything with it. And you had high gain, which was something that didn't exist before that amp. That's right. Um, that, by being with Mark II, and then the Mark II C, and then the Mark II C plus. So there's like all these different variants of it. But um, I've always joked, Jim, this is a programmer joke that there's a Mark II C Sharp out there somewhere. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, or a Mark II C plus uh, plus. Mark two C plus plus. Depending, C++. On, depending <laughs> on how you feel about that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, of course, in then in the '90s hit, and um, I think their amps sort of had a reputation with, like, normal buyers. It's like, these are too complicated. And the Mark is notoriously, like, one of the harder amps to dial in. Um, but once you understand the principles behind it, I mean, it's not, it's a piece of cake, right? It just yeah. takes an hour to wrap your head around it. Um, the, uh, the, the Dual Rex started showing up. And I initially thought the Triple Rex came first. The Triple Rex actually came later. But the Dual Rex showed up. And um, there was a whole line, which a lot of these amps have forgotten, like the Blue Angel and stuff like that. They were all considered to be Rectifier amps. Yeah. Um, but the Dual rec, you know, was the one that, that prevailed. It's still made today. Um, they've done some different revisions of it. The yep. current one they call the Rectifier Reborn yep. is, um, is like a whole different thing. And, and when you play those amps, you realize, like, the controls actually do something, number one, which is like the first shock. And right. then they're incredibly versatile. I've heard people say things. Oh, you play a dual record, it's just like triggering a keyboard. Well, let me tell you, if you're playing a dual record, and it's like triggering a keyboard. That's because you made it that way. Yeah, you, you um, set that up wrong. Um, I mean, Buckingham was playing them. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So,
0: so, so yeah. much more. It's like, seriously? <laughs> so, um, so let's talk a little bit about Gibson's amps. Um, so they did exist, but Gibson's amps, were yeah. like Fender's early amps, in that they were meant to, to get, be
1: R&E and stuff like that. Yeah.
0: Right. And they were meant to be truly like a PA. Remember that let's so let's go back and look at what Gibson did. Fender Fender's selling out selling Gibson. Um people are talking about the hollow bodies and, and at first Gibson laughed Les Paul out of the out of the offices. Um so in the uh, it, and they bring him, and they go, "Oh, we, this thing looks like crap. We need to make a violin top, which is where the you know, which is still here today, right? And right. we need to, you know, we need to make it beautiful. And it needs to be luxurious. So it has to be gold or black and white, and so on and so forth. So that it's like a tuxedo or it's like gold hardware and." This, that, the yeah. other thing. And so they had a very, like you said, they, they were not just hard. I think they were like a DeLorean. If DeLoreans had ever been popular, um, uh, of, of the guitar market. And because of that, their, their amps weren't meant to be, you know, uh, ugly amps. They were meant to they be just, pristine, clean amps.
1: They just didn't have, I mean, I played old Gibson amps. I played a, GA 5 Skylark and, um. It's my, my buddy's dad's amp growing up, mm-hmm. and uh, it was still functional, so I got to get to dick around with that a little bit. Um, I, I'll be honest with you, like, I don't think they're necessarily clean machines. I think they're more like the tweed amps that people realize, but that's the problem. So Gibson didn't have any sonic expertise in the electronics no. engineering industry. And you got to go back to when this was, like, they were making these amps in the 60s. Yep. Gibson was not the behemoth it is today. Uh, they were they were more known for the acoustic guitars and any of this other stuff was like we really want to risk money on this like, right how far do we want to get down this path Now they had they had amps going all the way back to 1948 in fact i'm looking at reverb right now here's a 1948 br9 um, which looks oddly like a fender woody um and i think a lot of what they were doing was saying well shit we're watching this other company clean up we're going to do the same thing yep we're going to mock up basically the same you Know the same stuff that they're already doing, right? And believe it or not,
0: yeah, a lot of people don't realize that Rickenbacker was doing amps already, too. Yep, yep. um, so Rickenbacker, uh, was doing amplifiers even uh, uh, either at the same time or before Fender. Um, I got to play a Rickenbacker amp, I don't know what anybody would want with one, but that's beside the point. The point is that, that, um, we've got a really uh, good. Um, we we've got a really good thing that could come of this. We've got some. So let's talk about what we think is going to happen.
1: Um, with well, there's, there's one thing we're missing. Mesa. So Gibson's actually already tried to reissue amps. Yes, um, they, they did. did the That's what I. In the yep. early two thousands, and uh, I actually have experience with these amps. I played um, the the Gold Tones before, uh, which was which was the popular one. Like. Uh, they had a head cabinet. They had uh, combos, of course. Um, and they were kind of weird-looking amps. They looked like they actually looked like like uh, speaker cabs you find in the back of your car. Yep. Um, and they had, like, a gold grill on them. And honestly, like, I didn't think they were the worst amp I could play, you yeah. know, or I'd ever played. But I'll be honest with you, they reminded me a lot of the Crate Vintage Club series, which was like everybody at that time was, oh, it's got to be A-class, and you want 15 or 30 watts. And it was right at the, the peak of the AC craze, right, where everything yep. was AC-15 or AC-30. Yep. And um, they actually got into trouble for these amps, if I recall, because they were saying they were point-to-point wired. And what they were really doing was that they were they were assembling the boards in such a way that they looked point-to-point on top, but underneath they were they were wave-soldered. Yep. And uh, a lot of people were insinuating these boards were actually populated and put together overseas. Overseas. Overseas the United States put in an amp and then charged, they charged pretty good money for these. Yeah. Um, the I remember going for 1500 bucks.
0: Yeah. The marketing forum wasn't marketing and pricing wasn't good. Um, no, I
1: think, I think they developed these things and I think when they got in house, they realized, Oh crap, these aren't what we thought they were going to be. Yeah. And so they blew them out. I think they, I think they just realized like we can't put a lot of marketing money behind something we know is going to be a lose.
0: Yeah. So that first, that first wave of them was in the Norlin era. Norlin era, and again, there's there's no question about the fact that the that they were probably
1: made cheaply as possible. Norlin era. You've yeah, got, the ones I have experience with are so the Jeskowitz era. Yeah, era. And, then and then there was and the, the Jeskowitz prior, I a vintage ones. I played a couple of vintage ones. So. Yep, and
0: so the Jeskowitz era's one, they were trying too hard um, to follow trends, um, as many things Jeskowitz did. Um, and it, it didn't, it, it bombed. It, the, the hardest thing is, if you're Gibson, this is, and this is where I, I, I hope they don't fail. They can. I hope they don't. If I'm Gibson, and I'm going to introduce an amp, what's it going to sound like? What do you, what do you and, and the average person, you being the average person, what do you think a Gibson amp is going to sound
1: like? I don't exactly. know. Exactly. I, I have no idea. I mean it's that, just like, it, that's that's the experience I had when I plugged into these guys. Because I didn't even know back then. Like I I played that the vintage one way later. Um yeah. and, and and that's a good point. I think there's a couple of things to remember though, as we talk about that, which is number one Mesa Boogie is not gonna be putting their names on these ants, but everybody knows that Mesa's building them, which is part of the, the hoopla surrounding this, right? Um, and they will be running them as a custom shop amp line, so you can guarantee that whatever they put out is gonna be pricey. Um, it's not gonna be fifteen hundred; it's gonna be three thousand. That's what my guess is, and it's probably gonna be all custom colors and all custom cabinetry, and that's why they went to Mason Boogie because they want the fit and finish to rival, you know, the fifty-seven flame top Les Paul that everybody covets. That's right, um, and I think they did pick the right company to do that, I, and that that's not my dispute, and and uh, we'll get into that in a minute. But um, I think it's worth mentioning that Gibson did have a couple of sleeper amp lines over the years um, that were kind of like they could have reissued that. I don't think it would have been successful. Um, they had the Lab series, which are which are worth mentioning, just oh, yeah. because. There are a lot of people that know that B.B. King played amps through Lab Series things, and a lot of his guitars were through at Lab Series, um, and that the Lab Series are notable because they were not tube-based. They were the only major manufacturer guitar company producing an amplifier time that was not tube-based. It's like the Lab Series, I think, it was like, what, like 84-ish? And Fender was still sort of getting off the ground with solid state. Um, I, they were really the first ones to embrace it. Um, and, in meeting a, a company that produces good Vox obviously did it a long time before that and other companies had done it. I think even Marshall had, had a solid state line at that point. Um, this, this is what I see. I foresee going into the future
0: is I foresee Gibson releasing. Um, they're, they're going to go to artists That might be, remember just the other day we were talking about this artist roster, right? They're going to get artist series amps. And they've found the right people, like you said. But because the cost will be high enough, I think these are going to be not just uh, custom shop. I think there's going to be a lot of special order on this stuff. I I honestly, I foresee um, where they're not going to ask because you can't ask Mesa to build faster than they are. they're not keeping up with a lot of uh, the demand now. So they're certainly not going to put a lot on themselves. And I, a think,
1: lot of people... I think there's a lot more outsider speculation there about what's going on over at Mesa Boogie right now that people realize. And I and I I, I was reading through a thread on the, the Gear page this evening. I wanna. I'm sorry to interrupt, but there was somebody saying there there was two things that I saw there that are related to this. That I was like, what do you? How do you know that? Um, and the first one was they were in financial trouble, which that's not been said by anyone I know, including dealers, because, in fact, most of the dealers that, that I've talked to have said we can't keep them in stock, um, especially in 2020. And that the problems they are having with supply line are because um, companies that produce parts for them, it's like the transformer people, for example, can't they, they can't produce enough transformers. And they've been going through problems because of COVID, just like everybody else. And so they're dealing with the same issues everybody else's. Is. That does not necessarily mean their business is failing. Um, actually, it probably means the opposite. They've probably taken orders that they can't fulfill yet. Um, so there's probably cash in the pipe.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you. Because remember, there's a percentage you have to give up front to get one.
1: Yeah. You can't just yeah. say, hey, order me one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've got one in the pipe right now, actually. Uh, I got a bun in the oven. I mean, it's worth mentioning. Um, And I've been joking with them that you know, like, hey, when's my Gibson gonna be done? Um, (laughs) Just as as a joke, but so, so like, I have, I have my reservations about this, and I think we can't approach the story from a a completely pragmatic perspective only because we both know Gibson has done some awful crap to companies they've acquired over the years. And like um, the ones that come to mind, are like Steinberger, Kramer, um, uh, Trace Elliot. Um, didn't they own Pioneer at one point? Or they owned like part of Pioneer? Yeah, they owned, they
0: owned Pioneer, yeah. actually Pioneer. But Pioneer, that that was a dying business as it was. Um, they, they should I'm never bought I'm not sure why England. they picked it up. Yeah, that was one of those things where why are you? That's like that's like. Um, uh, you know, buying a, a can of soda that's already got a hole in it. I mean, you're not so going to get they, much out of it.
1: They owned own and Vega. They owned, um, I think they still own them. Um, yeah. And they owned what, like Sonar, Cakewalk. It's yep. like some of these acquisitions sort of make sense. Like if you look at Fender's portfolio of companies, um, yep. some of them sort of make sense. But like the difference between Fender and Gibson is like when Fender's brands are not doing well, they kill them. And it's it's like for example, Darmond is one that comes to mind. And Darmond was a I think it's a string company or something back in the yeah. '70s that they mm-hmm. that they acquired, and then they turned them into a guitar brand that yep. was like sort of a parallel to Squire for Guild. Yeah. Um, and then, then they, they basically that brand because it they they couldn't get it off the ground. Um, now they have brands like Jackson. And they have brands like Charvel, okay. Jackson, and Charvel both had crappy times in the in you know in their past. Uh, Charvel specifically, Charvel was like shuffled from from hand to hand during the nineties. Right. And somehow managed to take that company and then basically just say you're going to make guitars based on our bodies, you know, and you're going to have a custom shop and resurrect that brand. Right. Uh, where I think like when Gibson buys a brand. It almost feels like they're they buy brands that go there to die. I mean yeah. well, Steinberger was like a Titanic. What the hell? Why is this yeah. not I still don't understand why they haven't capitalized on that nostalgia yet? Uh, um and Kramer, they did a soft launch of guitars this year, and I have not seen a single one in a dealer. I haven't seen a
0: single one anywhere. I, I I'd heard about, like you said, there was a soft launch. It, I mean, I don't know about your local mom and pops, but I haven't seen a lot of guitars in stock. I mean, our music around is almost, um, you know, pick clean. Our alpha music, which is a mom and pop, is pick clean. Um, Moe's is pick clean. I mean...
1: uh, Yeah, I I mean, like, so like Good Time around here, they've got stuff. Um, Yeah, but they've got... They don't have as much, do they? uh their shelves are not bare right now i mean but but they also there was a period during this year where they were pretty empty um but they had stuff on order they've always got stuff on order Uh the brands i won't say who but some of the brands that um local mom and pops order i mean they're they're back ordered out for years um and like people don't realize that when you buy from somebody, well, I mean, I can I can say this, I guess. Uh, I know that there is a local shop that has PRS Es on order, and they were telling me it's two years out for new SEs. For they have they have an, like a standing order, and that's all they're getting um, because they're they're so in demand right now. Yeah, uh, and that's like. Some other manufacturers, too, uh, I know that Ibanez has a tough time supplying dealers in AZs, and the wait time on those is over six months. Um, yeah. And they're over big-ticket guitars, uh, And for like Godan Siegel, right? So Siegel has this whole line of guitars from, like, 1999 that came out, and the only people that have seen them are, like, big dealers like um, like you guys at Guitar Center and, and uh, um, Sweetwater. So... Yeah, it's it's really interesting that the time we're going through right now. Like people are speculating that, like, well, I don't see them in stores, so they must not be doing well. Nah, eh, that's like no, that's probably the opposite. Actually. It's the opposite. Oh.
0: To be honest, um, uh, like what we've been seeing at, at my store is uh, that we have seen um, we don't have a. The other day when I worked, I worked last on Monday. I've got two more days left. I got Friday and Saturday. On Monday. I don't think we had a guitar under, other than a couple of seven-string Jacksons, um, under five hundred dollars. Not a one. Even usually the ones that are not picked clean, like um, some of the some of the f- um, Floyd Rose Jacksons and stuff like that, they're gone. They're just yep. gone. And um, the the uh, we'll get you know those boxes that. You know, you get the guitar and the strap and everything else. It's the all complete box. They come in, they go out that just as fast as we can get them out of the cardboard box that they, the, the plain cardboard box they're in, put them on the, on the floor. Somebody picks them up like, like their toilet paper. I mean, it's, it's just.
1: I'm sort of wondering if like a lot of those aren't ending up on reverb or eBay that, that somebody snapping them up and they're trying to mark them up because they know yeah. there's a big demand right now. There's a huge uh, demand.
0: And, and the fact is that, you know, we talked about this earlier. There's a, there's a lot of people selling stuff. Used market is just silly. Um, I, I had to laugh uh, at uh, fluff's uh, stuff this week because it was just some of the most ridiculous asking prices that you could imagine, but I'm looking at regular stuff. They're, there's a person with a um, Taylor GS Mini. Normally, I would say if you were looking to sell a, a Taylor GS Mini used, I'd at least go a hundred dollars under cost because they're like six hundred bucks to six to seven, depending on the one you're getting. This guy's asking for the pr- the full price. You know why? Because he'll get it. He'll get it.
1: Close to it. Yeah, I mean he might he might he might be ten dollars or twenty dollars shy. Um, that was that was part of and I was talking to Nick when I bought my um when I bought my my uh because we were like he's like, Why don't you buy used? And I um, I thought to myself, like, well yeah I could and I went to look and I'm like, This is stupid. The prices are almost <laughs> as much as they are new. It's just dumb. I'm getting the color I want. Right. Um so we're we're in a, we're in an interesting time right now, and I said, like this is really a weird time for for Gibson really to be doing acquisitions at this moment too. Because yeah. if I were if I were a company, and actually for Mesa to sell at this time, if I were a company, I would be thinking, what the hell is going to happen when this is over? Because this is this is a run. That's what this is. It's a run on. You know, you call it a run on the bank. Well, this is a run on guitars. And what's and what is going to be wild about it's when it's over. I think it's the the the, the bubble is gonna burst. The floor the floor is gonna drop out. Yeah. Because I just don't see how the industry can continue to support this kind of growth, um, and without you know capital investiture, um, and that kind of thing. So, um, I, just to comment more on the Mesa Boogie thing before we get really really off track, I wanted to I wanted to um, some other theories about what this deal might actually entail, some things I've just been kind of mulling over in the back of my head. So <clears throat> Jim, you brought up <clears throat> that they may actually be trying to um, further their dealer network and to um, to levy the uh, marketing department at Gibson to push Mesa Boogie in exchange for you know custom shop activities and that kind of thing. Um, and that's very possible. Uh, I don't think the dealer network is as big a deal to them as people might think. I think the dealer network would be a bigger deal to Gibson at this point, because Gibson is so heavily invested in Guitar Center, and with Guitar Center having all its problems this year, it would make more sense for them to look at the Gibson or the uh, Mesa Boogie dealer network and say, "How about since you already have this deal with Mesa Boogie, if you want to take on additional Gibsons, we'll count whatever you're doing with Mesa Boogie as uh, credibility with parent Gibson." And there could be some sort of back-end deal there where, you know, Gibson receives 50% of that or something. I I don't know. Um, And in lieu of that, there's also this situation where, you know, maybe Mesa Boogie, knowing that they're going to take on this business for Gibson, needs an investiture of cash to add on to their production facilities. Um, Maybe it's ensuring the long-term stability of its employees because... Randall Smith always talks about uh, the family atmosphere at Mesa Boogie, the fact that, you know, it's basically the same 30 people that have been there for a really long time. Um, most of them have been there 30 years. So I, that's kind of what, how I'm looking at this, is like this isn't necessarily a bad thing. It it can be. If Mesa, if Mesa does not have control of their situation, and even if Gibson now says they have control of it, but things change. That could end up very badly for for Mesa Boogie. That said, I think Mesa Boogie has strength as a brand, um, and I think that Mesa Boogie is got strength in designers. And as long as those people stay there, I think they're going to be successful to an extent. I I can't. I joked with somebody last night that that um, I could just see J.C. Curley sitting in his office with his computer out. And he's, and he's got the schematics for all of the current Gibson lineup and he's deleting circuit traces. We don't need to spend that much copper here, 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 you know, like, 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 and oh, this component doesn't have to be a Mullard
0: cap. Like he'd be the last guy to do that. (laughs) I I worked in a small company with a CEO in, in uh, that type of thing, the last person in the world that told us which carbon to buy was was the CEO but I, know. I,
1: know. I, I,
0: I I do know i I see what your point is i I like could cool see car. maybe um uh who's the guy that uh is their marketing guy um hey, tall, no the tall thin guy
1: yeah the guy I forgot what his name is off yeah, I can't remember his name for
0: his life of I me mean, for some reason but it's because I got to be honest in the beginning we saw the, those three consistently and they've kind of gone underground for the most part. Um Agnesi has well, yeah. <laughs> been Agnesi has been the the face of
1: Gibson for a while. <laughs> yeah, the, the face with the uh with the uh, uh newspaper in his hands screaming, please help me, please. But, it, um, but I gotta say this, I gotta
0: say that, that what they hired him to do he's doing. So I can't I can't fault him there.
1: He's, he's done a pretty good job since that. Yeah. I think that was the first what the hell are you doing to play authentic thing. Yep. And now it's like buy authentic? I don't know. Um, I don't I don't think there is any authentic anymore. I think. Oh, um, well, there's still you know, the crap out of people. They are still like every day I hear somebody saying somebody else is getting sued. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think
0: that, again, we, we talked about that. Sometimes you have to sue even if you don't intend on going through
1: with it. That was that was something I was going to point out, though. So if they did buy Mason Boogie, did they buy their patent? Oh, jeez. <laughs> I mean, maybe the legal department needs some work to do.
0: They'll sue Fender for for, um, for They'll everybody.
1: I mean, but, um... I, if, if they bought the Mesa Boogie patents, like, you understand. Randall Smith has been defending him for years, and people hate him for it. And I, I could tell you right now, if Mesa Boogie bought him, they're going to hate him even more. Well, if, they, if they bought the patents, they're going to hate him even more.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I, I do know that uh, uh, if he's smart, he'll hold on to
1: those. So, maybe he needed their legal department.
0: Yeah.
1: No. Maybe he went to them and was like, hey, I, you're suing everybody. Like you know, this sounds like a good idea. I want in.
0: <laughs> you know when when um, Walmart Walmart made a big change when Sam Walton died. I mean, when before Sam Walton died, I don't know if you remember, but Walmart's were clean. They had cash yeah. registers with people.
1: It, it you it was they, the place you wanted to shop. That's right, the and it was a. Market. And you if know? you had
0: to have a job that didn't require a lot of you know. Let's face it. it. I
1: have many family members that worked at Walmart in those years.
0: They had dental, they had vision, they had health, they had and then Sam Walton died and it became a shit show. Yeah,
1: like almost overnight too. It was it didn't take long.
0: It did not take long. And that's that's my fear or my hope that they don't do. Because Gibson has not instead of increasing its size, it made itself smaller. And it has a lot of people still there that that were that have been there for thirty four years. So well,
1: it, it made it so smaller, and then and then it acquired Mesa. <laughs> well, by acquiring Mesa Boogie and allowing
0: Mesa Boogie to run as its own thing, like I said, I it might be just hey, look, we need something to put our names on, so that when people are touring, it says Gibson on the guitar,
1: it says Gibson on the amp. I, I think that's very much. I hope best case scenario that's actually what we're dealing with. That they looked yep. at the Californian, the Fillmore, and they go, holy crap. Like, we want to buy those designs. Right. And in order for this to work for us, we need the people that are behind it. Because yep. here's the one thing you got to keep in mind. This is, this is the pragmatist in me coming out. I don't think there are that many tube engineers left. And to have the guys that they got over at Mesa Boogie right now at your disposal to build tube amps. Yep. is a pretty impressive feat. But I also think it's something that you couldn't do and throw them out on the street either. You have to have those people.
0: Right. And that's what I'm saying. It won't be Mesa. And people people are not going to be gaslit by somebody saying, oh, yeah, well, we've only changed, you know, this many people. Like what happened with, with um, what
1: Heritage. was the
0: company? Vintage, right? No, Heritage. Heritage, that's it. Why did I when say they vintage? Were acquired, yeah. when they
1: were acquired by music, whatever the the distribution company, and then uh, they they brought in CNC machines and a bunch of guys just walked out. They were like, "What the
0: hell is this?" Right after they told everybody, nothing's changing.
1: <laughs> they yeah, they were like, "Nothing's changing," and they brought the CNC machines in. And then the next news story was like, "Like Heritage gets CNC machines." Next news story: Heritage loses fifteen employees. <laughs> And it was, yeah, it was
0: literally an overnight thing too. Um, well,
1: I've also heard that several of those people have been rehired since. Yeah. Um, so I don't think that was necessarily an all bad thing, yeah. but it's definitely like, wait a minute, what happened? Yeah.
0: Um, cool. Well, again, you get to where I don't think it can happen. They, they're not going to pump um, uh, Mesa Boogies in from Korea
1: and call them Mesa's. No, that's- no. And actually, I think that's where this is headed eventually is to not have an Epiphone brand line, but have a Gibson brand line that's complementary right. to the guitars. Right. And, and maybe just,
0: they'll do an Epiphone version of them later. Those will be the yeah. imports. It won't be a lie. It won't be like uh, with Fender bringing over stuff, calling it Fender, and it's actually Squire. Or, um, you know.
1: Yeah, uh, I don't. I mean, I don't care about the country of origin on the amps. I don't think they do either. Yes. Um, I think this, just given the history there, but, but what I would su- suspect would happen and this is this is based on like, not so much market research, but just like eyeing the way that things are. Most of your investment Gibson Gibson owners, the people that um, that are like, you know, th- the blues doctors and the rock lawyers and that kind of thing, uh, the guys that go in and and uh, buy the custom shopless Pauls, but don't actually play guitar yep. and keep they don't, they don't have amps, like, not like, not like that, right? Um, and so I think that something would be in order for them, yeah, I want an amp, but I'm not going to spend money on it. You know, like there are definitely people that are like, I'm not spending money on the amp. I'll spend 5,000 or $6,000 on guitar, but I want to have an amp that's like a 10th of that. in private. Trogly. It's
0: they, a, they they're have. all going to be like Trogly. They're going to have, they're going to have, um, hundred and fifty thousand dollars worth of guitars, and God knows what kind of amp he plays through or cares for that matter. I don't care.
1: Yeah, well, <laughs> I, what I, just saying. well Jim, I could argue. I could argue you got about eleven thousand dollars worth of Gibsons back there, and, and you're playing a DSL forty CR. I mean, <laughs> I like my DSL forty CR. I know the difference. I'm just saying, like you could make the same. Oh yeah, same, yeah.
0: I could have. Know? I could have not bought the three three five and bought a you know a Mesa or a Fender. Yeah. Or I mean, a, I mean a Gibson.
1: <laughs> I don't know if you have eleven thousand dollars in Gibsons. I think you have three. I think you have nine thousand or something close uh, to that. Three,
0: three fifty-five. Somewhere it's, around, somewhere yeah. around eight thousand, nine thousand. Yeah. Oh wait, the, they let the yeah. I do have a, I I actually do have ten thousand dollars worth of Gibsons. I forgot about the. I, I always forget the the acoustic because acoustic, it sits in the right. room. So yeah, I do have, I do have about 10 grand in, in um, so, which yeah, is yeah. not so, a
1: lot. 10, acoustics you know, and then you have, are you $10,000 in guitars and you have like eight or 900 in an amp? Um, yeah, yeah. And, um, I'm just saying like, it just seems lopsided, you know,
0: it is lopsided. If I didn't like that amp, it wouldn't bait it. Cause that, believe me i've as you know i would have changed it out i'm not yeah, this is his, i know he likes the amp because this is the second or third one it's the third one. Third, third. <laughs> and i've gotten rid of this one um and i do like the fender so it's like you know what i got a i got a light one and i got a heavy one um and i prefer the heavy one to the light one but when i need to i can carry the light one and use that i'm kind of like larry carlton in that way um and now I'm Mister Three Feet Five, but the but the thing is, no, you're not. <laughs> no, I'm not. Not even by a million miles.
1: Like, I'm not even going to let you get away with that one. That's not okay.
0: <laughs> I can sing can Sh- uh, Charlie Man better than K can.
1: Um, Probably. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's about where it ends. I could sing it better than he can. Um. So. Uh. But the but. Let's let's um. Uh. Let's take this to the to the thing. By the way, folks, this is your bonus. This is two hundred. This is numbered two hundred. So even though we're like at number two hundred three or four, four or something
1: like that, yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah, because like, we've had a couple of episodes in there that like weren't real episodes, and yep, um, there's some on the cutting floor too. It's a there's a, there's a couple of them. There's
0: there's lost footage. There's yeah. uh, there's files that don't exist. There are files that won't re- that won't be re- released. Um, uh, but, <laughs> not to the general public. In yeah, not to the not to the general public. If you want that, that's Patreon only. Um, but you know, it's funny that uh, we've come this far, you know, and um, uh, definitely um, been been a great thing. I think that that um, uh, if Fender wants to buy us, we're we're we're
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm ready to sell. Just
0: just let's do it. All right, like, Fender. I- Work. <laughs> we'll give you a break we'll give you a half a million uh plus, we plus royalties plus well, we keep royalties doing it
1: for you we work hard trust me yeah. you gotta pay us
0: yeah exactly um <laughs> but you know it's funny uh we were talking about we were talking about the first world problems and uh one of the things that came across my mind and it wasn't direct this isn't directed at you it's directed at all the all the whiny bitches on the internet right now about oh my god mesa blah 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 i'm like you do realize that that there are really heavy things going on. I don't want to get into
1: weeds about them. Yeah, I don't yeah, want yeah, to yeah. bring them no, up. I, everybody I just, knows there's heavy shit going on right now. Right. But you know what? Actually, I want to comment on that a little bit. Yeah. So like yeah. my my response to you is like everybody needs a distraction right now. Yep. 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 But so I didn't realize how heavily invested in Mesa Boogie I was until I got the news. Yeah. Because I, two people reached out to me within a minute and a half of one another and said, did you hear? Yeah. And that was when, that was before it was official. And both of them said, it's just a rumor. And I said, I stopped. I actually, I actually backed up from my computer and I said, what am I going to do with this? And then, and like, it actually, I saw the confirmation and I actually messaged you after I saw it. And I sat here for a a good five minutes and was like, what does this mean? Because yeah. honestly, like right now, with the track record I've had with their products, they're the first company I look at to buy an amplifier. Like I don't, I and and I know I can trust that company, but it's like, can I now? And I'm kind of on the frame of mind. At least in the short term, I can. Yeah. But
0: it's... I think in the beginning, you're going to see a similar reaction to what happened when CBS took Fender. I think you're going to have a reaction of the of the fans and the and the buyers, not necessarily of the thing, is that they're going to say okay, and and then remember how we've got black faces and silver faces, but some are like the old. And I think there's going to be a little bit of that going on. I honestly, I don't see any huge changes coming in the near future. None. Yeah, I, I mean, there's, there's three brand years down the
1: road, four years down the road. I mean, it's yeah. not the it's that's going to happen in the in the immediate term. I actually, um, the other comment I wanted to make with, about it was, um, I don't think people. It's like a lot of people don't. I do If you've never owned a Mesa Boogie, okay, right. and this is this is this is for anybody who hasn't owned one, and I'm sure there are people that have owned one. Jim, you've owned one. Um, that probably won't fall into this category, but I can tell you that the people that like get it are freaking adamant supporters of the brand like they will go i I see them going to good time and literally buying things without taking them out of the box and i mean like i've never played this ant before but it's mesa boogie so i'm not even going to take it out of the box kind of thing you already know i'm getting
0: the california the california it's just not gonna be this year it'll be next year
1: and it'll it'll be a gibson california but you know what i'm saying like when people go into the store and they don't yeah. take something. The they don't even want to demo it. You it's don't like, have to oh, at home. It's fine. You don't have to. Uh, that's just like that's just mind-boggling to me. And honestly, like it says a lot about the brand that that's happened. Yeah. And I would like to believe that th- this is the way I want people that are that are Mason Boogie fans right now to think of this. Let's hope. Let's send all the good vibes. And let's hope that Mesa Boogie rubs off on Gibson. That Gibson you know, doesn't rub off on Mesa Boogie. You know that...
0: Yes, that's exactly what I was going to say. You know what I see this like? It, it's as if... Um, you remember when Harley-Davidson... Um, who did they... who did they, Ducati. Yeah. Okay. Um, but let's, let's imagine, shall we for a moment, that instead... Harley Davidson acquired, um, and this is this is kind of way out there. So let's just be ready for it. Let's say Harley Davidson re- acquired um, BMW the motorcycle. Okay, so BMW's out there. They make they make top tier, high end motorcycles for a particular crowd. If you're a BMW rider, you're not a Harley rider. If you're a Harley rider, you're not a BMW rider. As a Harley rider. But I love Beavers I really do. I think they're gorgeous. I think they're they're fantastic. They're, they're
1: still the very Motorworks, right? Though, as of fact, still, still part of the the yep. car company. That is right. They are. I think actually and, put it put it the way you you really want to put it, which is they just acquired BMW completely, cars and yeah. all.
0: Yeah. So let's say that that happened. Um, if if that was to be the case, um, if you were if you were if you were Harley Davidson wouldn't you want to learn from them rather than them learn from you?
1: Yeah. Cause uh, like Cause, right now they're working. Like it's quite clear. They have a winning formula. You, yeah. And,
0: and here's the thing that, that you come, you kind of came full circle. We're kind of like a comedian that, that brought it back around. Boogie fans are boogie fans tried and true. They will go to the ends of the earth and therefore what 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 Gibson misses and what boogie misses is the connection of guitar and amp that really a lot and I'm not saying all boogie players play Gibsons, but there's a good percentage of good boogie players that play Gibson's
1: and a lot of Gibson I think, players I think PRS are, is probably the bigger company for them yeah because well of people, uh, in the last three days that if PRS had bought boogie they wouldn't have been shocked at all
0: yeah. No, I don't think anybody would have been shocked by that. Um, but the, the, I should have said a lot of, uh, because it, they've always been associated with Marshall. Gibson's always been associated
1: with Marshall. Yeah, well, I mean, they're going back to the, the, you know, stuff and all that.
0: Right. But, but Boogie is, like Gibson, it is a lifestyle choice
1: of, of what you play through it is the only lifestyle brand I can think of that isn't like really a lifestyle brand. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Like they never really bothered to become a lifestyle brand. It's like, well shit, we're just going to keep making amps. And I mean, I still have to make hats and stuff like that, but it didn't, they didn't go full on Marshall. They haven't done a Bluetooth speaker. They don't have a solid state line. that's really just for people to pretend like they have a real Marshall. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and I, I'm not really saying that their solid state line is crap, but I, but I'm just saying like, they have the, 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 micro stack and all that stuff, like the silliness of it. Um, Fender's a lifestyle brand too, like, um, way more than people care to realize. But I think the interesting thing about Fender is they still produce guitars that people want too, which obviously like, I may not fit into that category, but clearly somebody wants them. Yeah. Um,
0: but, and, and amplifiers, but, yeah. but I think, um, um, uh, a, a guy like, and this is what I was about to get to. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring this to a, to a head here, at least my point. Gibson was a is a lifestyle brand. Boogie has a group of people that are very adamant, much like, you know, any other underground thing that. Uh, what was that computer everybody loved? Oh, you you might be too young. Started with an A. Altair. Altair. Everybody was still using them, even though they were, like, distant past. There was this, there was this rabid community of people that kept using them through the, through the Commodores, through the, uh, through the Apples, into the Macs, into the uh, PCs that, that far outshot them.
1: Yeah, like, like, 10, 12 years after they had, they had been, like, decommissioned, people were still using the out Yep. So here's, here's what I want to,
0: here's where I want to bring it, right? Let's let's look at who's in charge of Gibson, right? It's uh, what's it? What was his name again? Uh, uh,
1: it with is C. Um,
0: starts with A.C. C. Curly. Curly. Okay. What did Curly do before this? He worked for Levi's. <laughs> Levi's. The, uh, CEO. Of Levi's is a lifestyle brand. And unfortunately, if, if there's anybody now now if he lets the the technical side continue to do what it does best if he can let the people building do building great or better then um and i don't think don't go think that uh, i'm saying mesa has to improve gibson has been improving it can improve more there's a couple look- of spots on my 335 i went not. Mm, that-
1: not a three dollars guitar <laughs> right there. Um, I play I played I I, I commented in this group in the group the other day that I haven't really been impressed with anything in the 2019-2020 lineup. i played several at this point, and uh each of them had little issues where I was like, really? Um, and 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 they were and it was more or less because like when you pick up an eighteen hundred dollar guitar and you see an issue with the binding, we're like or like you pick up an eight or a twenty five hundred dollar guitar, and one of the frets is clearly high. Like it, it's you just gotta have a minute. You're like, wait it's a pe- minute, what's going on here? Especially um, when it
0: problems, but it's especially just... when it should have went or it, it definitely went because all Gibson USA's went through a pluck machine. There's no excuse for that, except that maybe a fret popped out or something, something happened during um, a post plucking process and then somebody forgot to put it back in the Pleque. That's the, there's language.
1: something they actually don't do with the pleck machine. I forgot. And, and there's like a whole thing about it. And people have been talking about it for years that like a lot of people who get a fresh Gibson out of the box, will take it and go get it. Plecked, which sounds mind boggling to me, yeah. but apparently there's some part of the process they leave out and it's, and it's a conscious thing on their side. They do it for a reason, but
0: yeah, it might be, I don't know. I just know that minor mine are good that way that I have no complaints that way but there's a little bit like uh, along the neck um uh the red there's some white in there but you know what it's a it's a guitar and I'm playing it and I love the sound and I'm not gonna sit there and nitpick a a, a little bit of paint because of that and, and i I understand the i understand both sides of this fence because believe me i I have some friends that that are they look at every single little detail, and if that's not right, they get another one. Um, yeah, I
1: don't, really, I don't really feel like that's the appropriate way to to deal with the issue, to either. I just was pointing out that you know, as much as people have said that like they've improved their quality, I'm like, it looks like the same stuff to me. I mean, um,
0: I yeah, I don't know. I I've seen uh, I get to see a lot of them. I've seen a lot of improved quality, but then again, um, there's a there is not. I think there's a there's a there's perfection and there's reality and they're they gotta meet those two. They gotta get they gotta get there there's no question that the quality could come up. Or my guitar wouldn't have all those scratch marks on the inside of the pickup cover and where it used to be heritage cherry and it isn't
1: Honestly I would be fine if they just dropped the price two hundred bucks. I'd be like, you know what? This works. Yeah,
0: yeah. You could do that. Um so, but but um, on the other side, what I'm trying to get at is, Curly knows how to work markets to create. Um, a CEO's job is is twofold. The CEO's job is to, um, well, at the very top of it all, to get money into the company, whether that's through vi- investors, through whatever. That is the CEO's job. You know that.
1: I think their board of investors realizes they're a lifestyle brand and they don't give a shit about anything else at this point. And that may be the only way that they have forward um, because they're so, they were so deep in the hole that they, they they let it get too bad before they could go back. So like a a normal company under this situation would go back to their core values. And I don't see that as being the case here. I see that as being the opposite of what's going on, which is they're doubling down on the lifestyle side. Um, They're becoming Harley Davidson essentially.
0: Yeah. I don't, I don't work for them, so I don't know how it is in Nashville. I've heard some good stuff. I've heard some people that uh, left under back edition, so, um But the, uh, um, the thing that, that I do see um, is a, an, an honest attempt, whether it's good, bad, or different, an honest attempt to try to get them into the good graces of the people that continue to buy their products because they expect the quote unquote Harley Davidson of guitars. And I can tell you this, Harley Davidson is perfect either.
1: So, I mean, yeah, none of the buyers think they are either. They first thing they do is they get involved and they change something out.
0: (laughs) And that's exactly right. The first thing they do is they take shit off the, off the uh, motorcycle and they put stuff on. Uh, The first thing they, they change is the pipes. Which is the sound of the motorcycle? It's kind of funny that we're talking about that. It's like, what do you do? One of the one of the first things people do when they're buying their guitars, they want to change out the pickups. They're changing out the pipes. <laughs> that was
1: what I was going to point out. Um, <laughs> That's kind of funny. A lot of people like the pickups in their guitars, but like I've heard a lot of people don't like their pickups too, like immediately. And I don't think if somebody's going, they're buying your guitar. They're immediately going home and getting the boutique equivalent of what your pickups are. You need to reverse engineer that boutique equivalent. And you need to figure out what the hell you're doing wrong. Because Gibson charges way too much per pickup for them not to have the formula correct. And not what they think is correct, but what their buyers think is correct. I don't, and that's, like that's troublesome.
0: I don't think... Any guitar company has been satisfied with the pickups that they put together. Fender does the same damn thing every time you turn that's around. suck. I'm not even
1: gonna, I ain't gonna lie on that one. Yeah,
0: every time you turn around. No, this is the most
1: vintage Stratocaster that we've ever done. I think they're just grasping straws. They don't know what the hell they're going after. Nope. Uh, and and that's what's mind-boggling to me It's like you got all these vintage market. Like the reality is what Fender needs to say is that we don't really know what this is what we think the strat pickups should be because we really don't know what the end user wants. And they should just kind of like approach that from the perspective of what do we think is going to sound good to the widest array of players. So here's,
0: yeah. And and here's my, my uh, take on that. um, uh, Next is that, that, so Gibson has worked a lot with, we talked about Jerry Contrell. We talked about um, uh, Slash. We've talked about Bonamassa. I don't think Mark Agnese went to Joe's house just for a beer and, and uh, to talk about his guitar. My collection. Wasn't enough. Yeah. I think that they had more than that meeting. And I think, I think some of the things that get discussed. Um, and of course we know that these things happen. Um, are, Hey, we know we can approve. What can we do to do better? Because because before, artists were running away. We know that. And other than, I don't think a guy like Jan, Jerry Cantrell or a guy like Joe Bonamassa or even a guy like Slash is going, yeah, I need you to line my pockets better. I think that they're actually, maybe Slash. Um, <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think that, um, uh, that, uh, Jerry Cantrell is going to give honest feedback. I think that um, who did they just have that uh, I Most watched? Those guys old? are going to give honest
1: feedback. I mean, and, and that's the problem is under the old administration. I don't think uh, I, don't I don't think, think the honest care. feedback. I don't think they gave a shit. Nope. nope. They were just they were still trying to deal with the fallout from the Firebird X. Hmm. I mean, like, and that was that was not something that happened like a year or two before before the end. That was like a 10-year-old flop. That's right. And they right. were trying to deal with the fallout from that, yeah. which is insane. And everybody
0: that tried it before it became a, a, a
1: yeah, thing other
0: than a, a prototype problem. said, no, what are no. You doing? They slapped Jeskowitz on the on the nose with a newspaper. Bad. No. do Not release that. And he did it anyway. He's like so the dog he- that pisses on the floor.
1: Here's the dumb part. So Jessica, which has this thing, right? The Firebird X, and Joe Bonamassa was actually one of the people that played it. Um, he had the Firebird X, and he's coming up with this idea that, you know, we have to enter into the digital guitar space because I'm sure he's looking at Line Six, was a hot brand right then, and was saying, "How do we compete with them? You don't. You're not an amp company. Right. What the hell? Right now they have one." So it's just kind of bringing a full circle and fixing that problem, and like you know, the other company that I think would be really funny if uh, Gibson acquired. And I haven't, I haven't brought this up to anybody yet, but what if he bought Fractal? I mean, you want to see some pissed off fanboys? Bought Fractal and then Boots Cliff. Oh Jesus! No, oh my God! I mean, that's a private company, so it would have to be a hostile takeover. Like they'd have to come in and literally buy him out. But well, isn't, has a isn't Mesa private company? Yes, yes, yeah. fully private. In fact, uh, the, one of Randall Smith's big claims, and this is why I've like been kind of trying to dissect this whole thing, is that he's never run the company out of a out of a um, line of credit. Right. Like it's always been by the checkbook. So. Yeah. He's cash accounting, which basically like is unheard of uh, for a company that had the kind of receipts they've had. So, and, and of course we're speculating receipts, but we know that Mesa Boogie has been financially successful. They've been in business for almost fifty years. There's uh, over fifty years at this point. Yeah. We know that they've made money. You don't run a business for fifty years at a loss, uh-huh. um, and or, and or, or they're broken even. Maybe they maybe they just are content to have their salaries and go home. You know um,
0: I, I gotta wonder that that you brought it up earlier. I gotta wonder if he reached out and said, hey, I'm looking to get out of this. what can you give me to PRS and PRS said, no nope, not interested I'm
1: I, I'm well I don't think he was looking to get out because he's still working there He says he's no no there. I just mean
0: I, I just mean that, that the future he's looking at his future. I mean, if, if there's some cash infusion or promise of cash infusion, um, I'm wondering if it's, even though it's Gibson buying, buying them, I wonder if there's a little bit of the other way around.
1: I think so, too. And we, we, one of the things I was floating in my head was like, with Gibson's financial problems right now, I wonder if he's got money put away and he bought a chunk of Gibson.
0: Well, yeah, or that was the thing. Oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah. You can you can put your name on some of my amps. I get a piece of you.
1: Yeah. Because
0: because yeah. Gibson doesn't have the cash to float. Um, that that he might have. It's, um, a, good,
1: it's a good investment. Gibson's not going to die. Uh, no. I mean, they survived a the bankruptcy and leadership from one of the most batshit crazy CEOs I've ever seen. Um, if you think Henry Jeskowitz was of sound mind and body while he ran that company. You got another yeah, I, I question your sanity. As <laughs> as Judas Priest said, you've got another thing coming. Yeah, I mean like <laughs> I just I question your sanity because Juskowitz is clearly nuts. Yeah JC Curly may be evil, but Juskowitz was nuts. I would rather take evil because you can at least predict what evil's gonna do. <laughs> I
0: don't know. I you know I see Curly and I, I see a guy I can kind of Look up to, I may not. I may always keep my eye on him. I see a guy I can probably look up to. Um, he commands a room. Um, the the guy that oh, why can't I remember his name? The guy that's the marketing. He's definitely got in his heart. And the other guy, the short guy that they've got that's in charge of production. He's the COO, I think. Yeah. Um He he has a real his. I'm not saying I'm 100 percent sure of this, but to see him do his videos and to do his stuff and the and they did the because I rewatched that eight part process thing they did um, when they brought in all the employees and he's there. He really he's been with that company for 30 something years. He's got that that is him. It, there's a certain thing about a guy like that who who invests his life in a in a company and in a brand. He he has no interest in seeing things fall apart over there. Um, So even though Curly is new, I think they brought him in for the right reasons. I think that, that uh, they really do.
1: It's it's way too early in his tenure to start evaluating. He's only been there three years. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Only three years. Been a guitar center, but he's been there that long. But but
0: you notice what he hasn't done in those three years. He hasn't stepped up and gone. And now I'm going to do that. He hasn't been a Henry Jeskowitz. He's been a silent partner for the most part and let, Oh God, his name came and went so fast. I know it's a Hispanic name. Anyway, he's let those two guys run the show. Uh, They have been between Agnesi being the face and the other two guys being, doing their jobs. Wow. Letting them do their jobs. That's that's unheard of.
1: Well, but that's I mean, I I would expect nothing less from a modern American CEO at this point. Like that's that's kind of what what the mantra is these days. It's not like the Kellogg School of Business Management years ago where they taught people to to basically just push people around. That's where H.J. came from. He was a a dude that pushed people. The Kellogg's.
0: If you ever read the history of Kellogg's, man,
1: that is some scary
0: shit right there.
1: The, the Kellogg School of Business Management. Yeah, yeah. I would encourage any of our listeners, if you're not familiar, uh, read up on some of that stuff. Because I've worked for two people that actually worked at Kellogg, and I can tell you they were both cut from the same cloth, and it was not a fun experience. I, I actually, I, I'll be, I'll be completely blunt right now. I'll never work from another person that worked.
0: There is some true never. evil. Never. I mean, real true evil coming from Kellogg.
1: Yeah. Gibson I, is not that bad. <laughs> I don't even want to eat it's their like cereal. Bad, but it's
0: not that yeah, bad. It's not that bad. No way. Um, but anyway, yeah. I, I I, have, I know there's a lot of people that don't, I have high hopes. I hope it turns things around for both companies. I hope things go in a positive direction. That's what I hope. I can hope in one hand and shit in the other one and see which one fills up faster.
1: <laughs> that's exactly how exactly I feel about it. That's what <laughs> I
0: that's what I'm going to keep hoping until I get proven otherwise.
1: Hey, worst comes to worst, I'll just buy pre uh, pre Gibson um, Mesa's, so that's fine. Yeah,
0: yeah. And well, it, and it, it they, won't be
1: that bad. They'll be out of date, and there won't be new ones. But
0: and they'll they'll outlast you. Your your amplifiers will get passed on to your grandkids. Probably. That's for sure. These guys Probably. are getting passed to my grandkids, um, and that's the beauty of it all. So, that I appreciate your help. I'm going to start recording some stuff now. And I have this beautiful blue box. Well, (laughs) white box that's glowing blue on the inside for some reason. It glows red if it gets, did you notice that? If it gets a hit, a hard hit, it glows red. I thought that was cool.
1: Yeah, it glows red if it gets hit hard with signal. It glows red if it has problems connecting to Bluetooth. Uh, And if it freaks out, it'll blink red. I have not seen it freak out yet, but apparently it's in the manual. I would highly recommend reading the manual on that because it has a lot of hidden features. I'm going to have to. Yeah. It's like, I read it after I started using it, and I realized something. It's like when I first got mine, I didn't realize that you could unplug this speaker cabinet and this is a load box. I was like, well, what the hell? Where's the load box function? Because oh, you could, software. you could. <laughs> I was on the switch.
0: You know, it's like. <laughs> it's a load, right? It just yeah. loads. Yes. It just was smart enough to figure that out. Oh,
1: oh! <laughs> you can you can have when the have, speaker. On. You have a 13, when you have a, a thirteen hundred to seventeen hundred on head, you look in the manual before you just try shit.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, what's cool is uh, uh, for people that don't own one, it's kind of cool. Um, they do give you this quick start in both English yeah. and French, and um, which I can read both. But anyway, so th- oops. So they, what I liked was they have this uh, inside, instead of having a bunch of words, look. Diagrams. Diagrams. So you plug in the amp, and you go to your audio interface. Look, no switches. <laughs> and then, and then uh, you can go in, and then go to a monitor in front of house. In and go to uh, the audio interface and still come out of this in headphones, which I thought was cool. Yep. But here's the thing. In cabinet. Here's what I don't know. When you use that last one uh, to the cabinet, I should, yeah. it's actually, the. if you read it left to right, it's actually the first yeah, it's, one. It's but anyway, awesome. Um I'm not really sure, can you can you still take the outputs? It doesn't look like it. It looks like if you take it out to the amplifier, you turn off the XLRs.
1: No, that's incorrect. Yeah,
0: see, that's just it.
1: That's patently incorrect. Yep.
0: Well, if you looked at this drawing, you wouldn't know that.
1: No, they're just showing you the different uses that you could potentially have for it. Yeah. It's That's not the only way to use it kind of thing. It's just...
0: Yeah, because I was thinking you could use the headphone out anytime you want it.
1: Yeah, you could use it with the amp turned all the way down up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, which, which, if you're running, the, it's like what I'm saying with the speaker connected, and then have it all the way up, and then put headphones on, which would be like the silliest thing in the world to me, but. Yeah, it is kind of silly. <laughs> this is going to bleed right through. Right? <laughs> but, you know. But it works. Wet, dry, wet, dry, wet rig. A wet, 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 wet rig. A
0: wet, wet, wet wig. Or a dry, dry, wet rig. Or a, a, wet a dry, dry, wet rig. <laughs> dry, wet, dry wig. <laughs> I keep saying All rig right. instead of rig.
1: All right. We've been
0: praying guitarists. We're out. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Thanks, Big 200. Yep.